What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're talking everything. No hitter today. We're going to have Anthony Sanfilippo on in a second, but let's get Kevin Kincaid on for now. Kevin, where were you when Michael Lorenzen became the 14th pitcher in Philadelphia Phillies history to hit or to pitch a no hitter? Well, are we counting the uh, combined no hitter? Would it be 17 with with, uh, Jake Diekman and Jonathan Papelbon and uh, we counting that one as a no hitter. I'm anti. I'm anti no hitter when it's no hitter. Okay, strung so together. We'll, yeah, combined. We'll say thirteen. Let's we'll call it thirteen. I think yeah. Anthony will agree. We'll call it thirteen. Where so was like I? A Mickey Mouse no hitter. A Mickey Mouse no hitter. Um, I was fucked. I was in my truck and I was driving to a uh, rec league game. I was like, oh god, he's gonna throw a no hitter. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> anywhere close to a computer. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Luckily, what is what rec league game is going on at nine thirty at night? You're a, you're a husband and a family man of two. It's the only time you really can play because you put the kids down. I fill in for a team at YSC. Uh, I've been playing like like rec league games there for like fifteen years, and they just needed somebody last night. So I was like, yeah, I get, they got a nine thirty game. I was like, yeah, I'll come down there. I was listening on the radio, and I'm like, oh no, this is gonna happen. You know, but I think you messaged me actually before I even messaged you, and you're like, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got you. But th- thankfully, you were watching it. Do- yeah, because you're normally running the social media account. You're normally running the Twitter account doing social media for the Phillies games anyway. You know? I like to keep I like to keep that anonymous. Oh, well, it's I mean, there's only, two, there's only two people. <laughs> Craig, maybe Ant jumps on there sometimes. I know Bob yeah. sometimes retweets crossed up or, uh, yeah. or or maybe Russ. Like there's a lot of hands in the cookie jar. I, I know there's uh, there's some people behind the scenes. So I just yeah. uh, it's all of us. Yeah. I'm the only person really who like responds to anybody, but I don't do that very often. I think it's pretty easy to tell when you're on the Twitter account and I'm on it. I'm not on it very often. Oh man. I did accidentally tweet something. I did accidentally tweet something on my personal account that was supposed to be for crossing bro. Sometimes I forget to log out of the other one. Yeah, we've all been there. Um Ant will be on soon. I think he's having camera issues. Shocker. He always he, has some kind of difficulty. There's always some technical difficulty with him. Yeah. You know, he can remember where he was for uh jim bunning's perfect game 50 years ago but can't get his camera camera to work on a <laughs> on a lap, laptop you know uh, no it's funny i mean reading reading some of ant's stuff today it was just like you know i uh he's never been to a no hitter and he's covered the team for for so long i mean he's he's older than me and you just an old soul an old you remember 2010 soul. though you remember when halliday was doing it you remember when the flyers were playing at the exact same time well, Kev, remember, we we're talking about Yankees Kyle back in 2009, 2010 area. Remember that? It was a lost boy back then. Yeah. I was a lost boy. Uh-huh. And then uh, and then I finally, you know, realized that I got to come over from the dark side. So you and, side. you and Spike were kind of on the same trajectory there. Wasn't he like a New, a New York, <laughs> wasn't he a New York Knicks fan up until a certain <laughs> I'm sure he, I'm sure he was, but I mean, those Knicks, was, he was a Knicks fan growing up. And now he's in the nineties, like the Yankees teams in the nineties and the early two thousands were so much more fun than the Phillies teams. Like I just loved Jeter. I loved Mariana. I loved Jorge. I loved Bernie Williams. I love Tina Martinez. I love Tina Martinez. The day that Alfonso Soriano got traded was one of the saddest days of my life. Well, but there's like, you know how they do like AD and BC. Like I'll do like, after Yankees, yeah. before Yankees, BY, before yeah. Yankees, yeah. after Yankees. Like I, I was yeah, yeah, yeah. now yeah. I'm four for four forever. Yeah. 
AD, did you used to think that AD meant after death? After before, dinosaurs. Before Christ and after death. <laughs> I, I, usually, I, I honestly thought AD was after dinosaurs. Yeah, it means Anno Domini. I don't know what that means, but I know what it is. I don't know. Maybe Anthony. I think Anthony. Yeah, let's bring Anthony on before he before he has some more uh, computer issues. I know he loves these conversations. What does Anno Domini mean? Uh, I believe it's the, the year of our Lord. Anno Domini. Oh, yeah, in the year of our Lord. There you go. All right. Yeah. It's so. not it's not Latin for after dinosaurs? <sighs> no, I can't even talk to you with the whole Yankees thing. What? That's, that's sad. <laughs> You've never heard that before? It's it's I'd have and I try to forget it from time to time and then you bring it back up the morning after a Michael Lorenzen no hitter at Citizens Bank Park and it's like it makes me say, it makes me go back inside saying somewhere that you know Pagan's fugazi. <laughs> no, no, no. I I've been, I well, I was what, 17 when I think I I came back to the to the sunny side. So I yeah, I have some penance. I still have some penance I have to do. I've about four or five more years until until uh, to take my lashings, but hey, you were down there. Let's switch. Let's switch the story up right now. You were down there. How do you feel? I mean, obviously, you're a big J. You got to kind of you know stay neutral and everything. But that's your first no hitter you ever got to witness. Obviously, you've seen. Well, a lot no, first Phillies no hitter. I was there for the World Series no hitter last year. First <laughs> Phillies no hitter to witness. Not a real no hitter anyway. Right, first real no hitter that I actually witnessed in person. It was a really cool experience. Um and I could say that, you know, yes, you got to you know, there is obviously there's no cheering in the press box and nobody gets all excited and we all sit there and we're just typing away as it's happening and everybody's going nuts around you. But you know, the atmosphere in that place once fans really started getting into it, which started about the 6th inning I'd say. I mean, obviously, you don't really think about it being a no-hitter before that. You're probably just, you know, taking notice of it, be like, oh, okay, he hasn't given up a hit yet. Um, by the sixth inning, it was like it was interesting. And that's when I started doing the tracking the pitch count because I thought there's no way in hell they're going to leave him in with that many pitches. And when he was at 100 pitches after seven innings and Junior Marte, Junior Marte starts warming up, I'm thinking, man, we're going to get a no-hitter tonight, and it's going to be a combined no-hitter, and it's just not going to be that exciting. <laughs> and it's just going to be its going to be an argument again straight yeah. off the Trey Turner ovation, and we're yeah. just going to argue and, for the rest of the and time. And it's just not going to be that exciting. And then when when then I'm watching Martin, more, the Phillies are batting, and I really am not even paying attention to what the Phillies are doing at the plate at this point. I'm literally focused entirely on the bullpen. And you see Marte, and he would be like, you know, he'd throw like two pitches, and then he'd stop for a minute, and then he'd throw like two or three more pitches. Throw like, and I'm like, okay, is he getting a little? Then I'm thinking to myself, all right, they're probably going to let him come out to start the inning, you know. But he's only got a handful of pitches, and then they'll take him out so that he can get his ovation. That was my initial thought. I thought that's what Thompson was going to do. He's going to let Lorenzen get an out in the set, in the eighth inning, and then pull him. But then all of a sudden, Marte sits down, and I'm like, he's going to give him the eighth. Well, if he's going to give him the eighth, he's. He, how do you send him out for the eighth, but you're not going to send him out for the ninth? And this is before he even gets through the eighth. And I was like, at that point, I'm like, man, this is wild. This and because then he gets back up again, and it was just like, uh, is this going to happen? And we don't know until after the game where Thompson says, you know, it's three two count to Dominic Smith, the last out of the game. If he walks Dominic Smith, he was taking him out of the game. I don't believe that. I don't. Could you imagine? You got to get to one thirty at least. One thirty. Could you imagine? Well, he is his limit was one twenty. Thompson had cut it at one twenty, and then gave him an extra what four pitches, five pitches, whatever it was, four pitches. Um, Could you imagine if he would have 
walked Smith and hey, they would have gone out there and gotten him. Then Thompson said he would have had to leave in a bulletproof vest. Yeah. Ugh. Just an absolutely like emotionally charged kind of game. You know, not just the no hitter. And today I found out that Michael Lorenzen's dad, who passed away, it's his birthday today. So he pitched it three hours before the birth, wow. before his dad's birthday. He gets to do it in front of his his kid and his wife and his mom, who almost flew back to Anaheim. I heard and yep. decided, you know what? Hey, listen, it's his home opener. Let me go and uh, let me go and watch this. And then you have Weston Wilson in front of his family. Hit his first home run at his first at bat, and then you have Castellanos, one ninety nine and two hundred in front of his son. Like just who? Who? By the way, Liam Castellanos yeah. has become like. He's got to be at every home game now. The Phillies should they need to make him like the secondary mascot. He was running around the stadium. Like he ran to Wilson's family and he's hugging yeah. Wilson's wife. He runs over to Cheryl uh, Cheryl um Lorenzen and is hugging her when when Lorenzen throws the no-no. Then he's down in the club in the uh, dugout, the high five Lorenzen as he's coming off hey, the field. The I'm, kids everywhere. I'm 30 years old and I would trade my life with, for a te, for a 10 year old's life. I mean, the kid has one of the best lives going right now. Just gets to watch free baseball and hang out with a bunch of professional athletes, watch no hitters and just run around the concourse. That's like every kid's dream right there. I, I just think it's I think it's awesome that he is so aware to find those people like he knows that they're there and he's going to go up there and celebrate that moment with them. I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, how how well does his dad know Weston Wilson? I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, you know, like yeah, they were in spring training together for a little bit. Like, I don't know. So Liam to run up to Weston Wilson's wife. Like, that's that's fascinating. At least with at least with Lorenzen, they were teammates in Cincinnati. Right. So. Mm-hmm. So, OK, fine. You, you could sit there and say they probably he probably got to know Lorenzen a little bit. But I mean, even then, what was he? Seven, six, seven years old. I don't know. I just think that it's I think it's the coolest thing to see that kid running around as like, you know, the ambassador for the for the team at this point. It's just like it, I don't know. Night like last night. I mean, I just made it all that, that much better. Can you can you talk to us about like, you know, you go down there after I saw the fog machine was working overtime. I saw the lights where uh, all the strobe lights were going off and everything. You had that awesome tweet, whereas like Dave Dombrowski walks in and Schwarbs and I forget the other guy who's that was just chanting Dave, 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 Dave. You know, great trade, blah blah blah. Can you walk us through like kind of the uh, the emotion in the clubhouse and what? You know, so by the time we by the time we had gotten into the clubhouse, like all the um, the, the fog machine and the and the light show and everything else had been had been over, but the music was still kind of going mm-hmm. right. Um, and uh, so we walk in and the music's blaring and they're all celebrating. They all got their beers. They're all hanging, you know, all walking around. They're still like it's very loud. It's a loud win i mean usually after a game you know the clubhouse is a little bit loud but this was as loud as can be um and then we're so we immediately go to the center area where they have the they pull down the the back the banner in the back and we're like okay i assume we're gonna get lorenzen first and while we're waiting like all the players are still hooting and hollering and hooting and hollering and Dombrowski walks in and he walks over to west wilson first before this is before lorenzen even comes out and like Dombrowski's doing this whole thing, congratulating Wilson, this and that. And literally, as he's done talking to Wilson, he starts walking towards the back of the clubhouse. And the only name I left off that tweet was Reese Hoskins. He was also part of the group, but it was Hoskins and Schwarber and Stubbs and Turner uh, and Castellanos. And they're all going, Dave, 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 Dave. And one of them goes, Nice trade. 
And it was like, it was like the clubhouse starts cheering. It was like wild. And this is a half hour after the game, 40 minutes. Because keep in mind, there was all the stuff that took place on the field, right? Right after the game was over. And then we went and sat in the press conference room and waited for Rob Thompson to come out. And he was a little bit longer than usual. So we're talking a good half hour, 40 minutes after the game's over. And all this hooting and hollering is still going on. It, it had a real October feel to it, like what it was like during the playoffs last year. It was just a really, really good vibe in there. And and you know what? This team loves each other. It's it's unreal. It's 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 a it's a unique group. And I think that's why Philadelphia embraces them so much. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of just piggybacking off of off of last year's World Series run in a way. Like I I continued to like this team. I mean, sixty percent of them are like back this year. I mean, we lost obviously Maton and, uh, and, and Veerling and, and a couple other guys, but like most of the team, most of the guys who like really contributed are back. And it's, it's amazing. Like, do you think like, if I'm, if I'm the Braves, like, like the Braves are awesome. Don't get me wrong, but like, I don't want to play this Phillies team again. Like, why would you, these guys just feel like they're just, they're just so locked in when, when things are going right. And when they're, when they're focused. Yeah, yeah, you want you don't want to play this Phillies team. That's that's the thing about it. They're a veteran team that knows how to win. They're not uh they don't ever feel like they're out of a game. They feel like they can come back at any point. So even if you get up on them, um you know, you can't really put them away uh and and like they're just going to, you know, tail between their legs go home. So no, if you're a Braves, Dodgers, anybody, you don't want to play you don't want to play the Phillies. The difference is, is I think this year's Braves team Still has a, a a little bit different approach than they did last year. The, this team, this Braves team, is is playing playing for keeps a little bit this year. And, and I'll tell you, the Dodgers are another team to keep in mind, keep an eye on because Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Nobody's talking about them this year because everybody everybody focuses on Otani, right? But Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman are having incredible seasons, like like all time type seasons, and they're carrying the Dodgers. And that team's not going to be an easy out either. Uh, in the playoffs. So the, the Phillies are going to have a much harder path this year. I mean, even if they get the top wild card and you're hosting the Giants or the Cubs or whoever, right? That's a team you should beat. It's still a three-game series, which is never easy against anybody. Then you're going to have to beat the Braves. Then you're going to probably have to beat the Dodgers. And then if you get to the World Series, you're looking Astros, Texas. I mean, I think it's one of those two. I I, I don't think that the Orioles are – I think the Orioles are too young. But, it, man, it's – it, it's a it's more of a gauntlet I think this year than it would be, was last year for the Phillies and no one's gonna and no one's gonna be surprised by the Phillies last year you didn't kind of see the Phillies coming this year you know they're there. I'm starting to feel like last year though, just the vibes and like I'm not gonna sure. let's not let's not like go crazy with <clears throat> some wins against the Royals and the Nationals who stink you know I mean let's let's be realistic here but yeah you had the Trey Turner moment you had the standing ovation thing you had. The Lorenzen no hitter, you know, Wilson's home run. By the way, does anybody else find it funny that the two big moments from last night's game involved three guys who weren't even here two weeks ago? Well, that's the other tweet that I put out last night. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, Castro caught the final out, right? Didn't he? Uh, Rojas. No, Rojas. Oh, Rojas. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know if Craig, if, if yeah. Craig has that one, but the other tweet yeah. that I put out yesterday was, you know, imagine back in, in St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Uh, that I tell you that someone told you that in August Michael Lorenzen would pitch a no hitter for the Phillies, yeah. right? And that Bryce <laughs> yeah. Harper was your first baseman, 
And then Rodolfo Castro was Castro playing was second, second instead yeah. of Scott. Sosa yeah. was at short instead of Turner. <laughs> Wes Wilson was in left, and Johan Rojas was in center. <laughs> I, I saw the lineup last night, and I was just criticizing it, being like, "Jesus yeah, Christ, we're, 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 like, can we just get the wild that. card spot?" Like, yeah, yeah. I, no, I thought that was fun, but the, again, the vibes feel like last year's playoff run vibes, where Pagan and I would just throw every game would would come with like three viral moments yeah. that could just be thrown up on the site in two seconds. And then like, you know, concurrence were sitting at like 1500. It's, it's like, it just feels that way, you know, it's yeah. nothing profound to say, so, that, but it's, you, you remind you're kind of like feeling the way that you did. So, so here's, here's an interesting, this is what I think is going to be an interesting thing. And I think it's probably worth bringing up uh, with you guys, especially you, Kevin, uh, but I think Pagan, you would probably have some good feel on this too. So last year, that Phillies vibe was basically the playoffs, right? It was October and, and in, the in, in the beginning of November, right? So this year, the vibe is is sooner, okay? And and part of last year was the fact that a people didn't trust the Phillies. They didn't. They felt like they would. They weren't. They still weren't going to get in. They were going to collapse and not make the playoffs. Okay, fine. But the other part of it was there was so much excitement about the Eagles, right? Getting off to the great start that they got off to, and so it was kind of it was kind of like a weird thing. You now have a Phillies team that the vibe is there in August. You have an Eagles team coming off of a Super Bowl appearance, and everybody's pumped for a new season where they're going to, you know, they think they can go back to the Super Bowl. What's it going to be like? Like, where are people's, where is the attention of people going to be in September? Well, what was it like in 2008? Because remember, I was a Yankees fan then. It was all Phillies. It was all Phillies. And it was all Phillies because the Eagles weren't as good. Okay. I mean, they made it to the, in 2008, they made it to the NFC Championship game, but it was a surprise. Like they, nobody expected them to be an NFC Championship. That game. that era, like, and you can corroborate from like yeah. 2009 ish, halfway through 2009 ish to 2012 ish. The Phillies ran Sports Talk Radio. They're more, oh, they're more Phillies calls. There's more Phillies stuff than Eagles. Yeah, wasn't even close. Would never, probably never ever happen again. But yeah, yeah, uh, wasn't even close. It was just, all Phillies. I, I just think it's a time for like people just like appreciate it. Like this is the first time I can remember. I mean, I guess the the Phillies in 2010 and the Flyers in 2010 were really good. Um, anything before 2000, I'm not I'm not going to know. I guess 2001 when the Eagles are really good and the Sixers are really good. That was probably a cool era. But I, I, I think this this town is a Phillies and a and an Eagles town through and Agreed. through. The Phillies and, are the only team. The Phillies are the only team when they are good. Um, that can that can even come close to taking over the Eagles mm-hmm. in terms of like just talk and eyeballs and, and it's, it's more ready made honestly the, the the way the calendar works out because there's so many games and there's so many viral moments because there's time in between pitches and you get you know these interviews and stuff like that like the guy wearing the fuck you shirt on camera last <laughs> there's just there's more like opportunities for that kind of stuff to happen which is why baseball can can flow to the, can push itself to the top of yeah there he is can push and push itself to the top of the the news cycle, you know, but I, I, that 2010 flyers run was very similar to what the Phillies was last year. Exactly. And they, cause they got in on the last day with the shootout, right? And, and nobody so, wanted them. No, nobody was, everybody was miserable with that team. They were underperforming all year long. They were yeah. really frustrated. Yeah. They barely get into the playoffs and they're like, all right, this isn't going to, this is going to suck. This is going to be over in one round and be done. Yeah. And really, even after they win the first round, it was like, well, they ain't beating Boston. And then they get behind three, nothing. And then that's when that it, happened. Yeah. That's, that's when, when it, that's when it clicked for people. Cause even yeah. then that was still fit. It was Phillies and then everything else. Yeah. 
yeah. And the Flyers weren't expected to. Well, they were expected to do something, but they didn't. They didn't put themselves on the radar until they snuck in. Same way last year when the Phillies went down to Houston, I guess, right, and clinched. Yeah. So that was that was interesting how that that happened. I don't remember though if that segued into any extra excitement for the flyers the following year i guess it did with the is was and the brisgalov signing. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. yeah no no that was two that was two years later so the five the 12 yeah, okay. yeah yeah the following year was they lost uh, in the second round they beat buffalo um and then lost in the second round um, yeah. the following year um but nevertheless the one comparison there is it's really kind of funny that i wrote about this a little bit today is that when holiday pitches the perfect game and the flyers were in, that was game one of the stanley cup finals that night and <laughs> And as yeah, as yeah. much as the Flyers had captured the well, that was the no the no hitter right the no no hitter. that was that was a perfect game that was the perfect game in Miami, it was Memorial Day. Uh, oh Memorial Day! Oh Memorial Day! Right, right. October the playoff was against the Reds. Was, was against the, the Reds. Yes, correct. The perfect game was the Marlins in May. Yeah, and and the interesting thing was, it's like we're all in Chicago, and the Flyers had had captured the heart of the city that year with that run, and there, here it is, Game One of the Stanley Cup Final. Um, and we're all in Chicago, and Halliday's throwing a freaking perfect game during game one. And we're we're literally standing around. There's 12 people from the media huddled over my computer watching the ninth inning of Halliday's perfect game while game one of the Stanley Cup is going on on the ice in front of us, and we don't care. And, and it's like – and I thought about it. I'm like, the, we are, uh, we are a, 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 just a sample of what Philadelphia is right now. Because, yeah, the Flyers are a cool story. Yeah, they're a lot of fun, and everybody wants them to win. But a perfect game, man, by the in the by a Phillies pitcher, I mean, yeah. there's not there's nothing like it. And and that was and that was and that led the papers the next deservedly yeah. so. I, I think, think I was working. Sorry, Kyle, I think I was no, working no. in the news department that night at Eyewitness News because I bounced back and forth between sports and news or whatever. But we oftentimes take sports stories and just lead with those in the top of the show you know how many times do you watch action news or whatever it's like the big story is that the we went down to chickies and pete's to talk to eagles fans after the win right <laughs> so i think we i remember like we were kind of like i think we had the flyers at the top and like beasley was supposed to come on and do like a hit and then we'd toss it to weather or whatever the fuck you know but i think we we're like oh we got to get this in here too so i think we just did like three minutes right off the top of just Flyers and Phillies, and then we did like your ubiquitous shooting, and you know, moved <laughs> leads on. It, that it leads it leads, unless it's a no hitter or a perfect game. You know how it yeah. is. Over there. Steve Keeley on the staff. How, back. Yeah. Yeah. how cool is it that like we got a no hitter that was like a legitimate no hitter? And we've actually had two in the last two weeks, which is crazy. I think it was what Fran Valdez down in uh, um, Houston yeah. did, had one last week. It's it's absolutely amazing. I mean, because I'm I'm in your camp right there. That's one thing we'll agree on, Ant. That I just don't think the combined no hitters are anything as special as a no hitter. And it's just for it to be 124 pitches. And then there's this other stat that came out. So Michael Lorenzen, he's one of four MLB pitchers to come out of Fortin High out there in mm -hmm. uh, California. All even better, even yeah. better. Before you say it, they're the only four players from that high school to make it to the majors. That's that's the most. That's the craziest part right there as well. Like, so anyone that doesn't know, all four that have thrown, uh, that have been pitchers, all four that have made it to the majors have all thrown four no hitters. And even crazier, it dates back to Walter Johnson in 1920, 103 years ago. I mean, we're talking about a town that's like 100,000 people, 2,000 people enrolled in the school. I remember Walter like, Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Walter Johnson, Steve Busby had two. Oh, this guy, yeah. Mike Warren from Oakland. 
he had 27 career starts and threw a no hitter in his rookie season. It's just, it's crazy. And now it's, and now it's Lorenzen. So it's like, how, how would you like to be the next pitcher that comes out of there? I'd be like, yo, dude, you've got uh, to you <laughs> you fill those shoes, man. right? Fill those shoes. Uh, here's the, uh, here's the list. Let's go over the list real quick of Phillies. No hitters. I'll go backwards here. August 9th, 2023, Michael Lorenzen versus the Nationals. July 25th, 2015, Cole Hamels versus the Cubs. September 1st, you had the Fugazi, you know, combined no-hitter. Hamels, Diekman, Giles, and Papelbon. Uh, Roy Halladay versus the Reds, October 6th, 2010. The perfect game, May 29th, 2010 versus the Marlins. Uh, The last one before that was Kevin Millwood versus the Giants, April 27th, 2003. May 23rd, 1991, Tommy Green versus the Expos. August 15th, 1990, Terry Mulholland versus the Giants. June 23rd, 1971, two-time All-Star Rick Wise versus the Reds. Uh, June 21st, 1964, nobody was like alive for this, but I think everybody remembers Grant. the Jim Bunning perfect I game. I wasn't alive for Rick Wise. <laughs> the Jim Bunning perfect game, I think it was the Father's Day one. Oh, Father's Craig, Day, yeah. yeah, right, right. Um, and then before that, a bunch that nobody, I'm sure nobody remembers. Johnny, Johnny Lush. I remember I remember Red Red Donahue versus the Boston Bean Eaters. I remember yeah. that like it was yesterday. Now, yeah. some yeah, some interest uh the interesting thing about Rick Wise is that he hit two home runs in that game. Dang. <laughs> the, the pitcher hit two home runs in the game that he yeah yeah um and this so the, the funny thing is is that and you know I, the story that i wrote today that's up i think mm-hmm. now I, I think kevin yeah, posted it, it right yeah um was just kind of like i, I told i told us a, a few stories about each of those phillies no hitters in my lifetime starting with terry mulholland and and going through all the way through to uh to hamels before last night and the, the premise of my story was the reason i'm able to tell all those stories is because I can. That's how that's how unique these th- this event is. In other words, when you pitch a no hitter or you pitch a perfect game, and you're a baseball fan, right? If you're if you're watching and you're invested in the in the in your team, and this is what's happening, mm-hmm. like you remember every aspect of where you were, what you were doing, all that stuff, right? I, you know, there are other great sports moments that I remember watching. Some of them, of course, I could tell you where I was, what I was doing. But some of them, I'm like, yeah, I saw that. I, I don't know what I was doing. I don't remember where I was, whatever. But for every no-hitter in Philly's history, in my lifetime, from Mulholland on, I knew exactly where I was and what I was doing. And I was able to retell that story. And so my point is, is that what happened last night, all of us who watched it for forever and ever going forward, we'll be able to tell people exactly what we were doing who we were with what we were what we were doing what happened all around us it was our we're able to tell our life stories yeah around well, a baseball and that's why we romanticize baseball you, well, you used that line last night pagan and that's what that's what kind of you, know, you laugh about it but that's what that's what kind of gave me the idea for this wow you're welcome yeah well i mean you were, all, you were all you were all over the no hitter so i'm like well what am i gonna am i gonna write about the no hitter that pagan's already put up all over the site right so, so i you gave I me love the idea it. Yeah, you gave me so, the idea. I, I read about half of it already. It's it's really good if anyone wants to go up. It's a, it's the featured story on Crossing Broad right now dot com if you want to uh if you want to read it. Um your stories are a lot better night. than my stories. A my stories Huh? No, I was gonna say it's a it was a historic night at the ballpark for multiple reasons. You know? Yeah, that's the that's the other part about it. I mean you tie everything else in Wilson and Castellanos and you know yeah. 
It was great. It was just the great stuff. guy, the guy with the fuck you shirt. I'd throw him on there too. I just wanted what's his deal, man? He was it looked like he was maybe with the people in the row in front of him behind him. The t- uh, the tipster said that it was uh Rojas brother, Rojas's brother. <laughs> and he was wearing and we found the shirt. Craig, um, I think I put it up on yeah, it's on uh, it's on Kevin's, my, it's like a fashion feet. nova t-shirt and it says fuck you, but then it says <laughs> love over it. So I oh, guess let, me, let me get there. Hang on, hang on. So, like, yeah, I mean, it's, they're showing um, Wilson's family, I guess, either before or after the home run. You see this guy on the bottom right corner who's wearing a shirt that just looks to say "fuck you" on it. <laughs> just like, and uh, and this was the shirt. That, so, so here's what happened: people were looking at it and they saw that it, he had like a pink, like, like uh, what do you want to call that? Type lettering, type lettering, pink lettering on there or something. And they saw that he was wearing a pink like wristband or something. But apparently he, uh, so people thought it was some like breast cancer thing. Oh, it's a fuck cancer <laughs> shirt. And like he's wearing a, a wristband for cancer awareness. But the tipster um, that emailed me said that it was just a wristband that you needed to wear to get into the family area. And I guess Alec Bohm's mom was also in the section or something. She was wearing the same wristband or whatever. So oh, I, gonna, I thought you were going to say she was wearing the same T-shirt. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we should get one of these for all the fam, for all of Wilson's family, family members. Yeah, thirteen ninety nine for a fuck you, fuck love, you, fuck you. Shirt. You can't tell the Weston Wilson story without telling this guy who just looked absolutely mad at everything. <laughs> Like he just got broken up with, and that's why he put the fuck love shirt on. Like that's what he looked like. He yeah. didn't smile. Well, the tipster said that he didn't speak English, right? He speaks Spanish. So mm-hmm. I guess they were the security guards apparently came over and asked him to turn it in, inside out. And uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, there he is. But yeah, it's pink. I mean, like the typeface is pink, right? So like people are like, Oh, it's a breast cancer thing. You see, like he's got a wristband on next to a watch, right? So like, oh, it's probably some breast cancer awareness thing, even though breast cancer awareness month is like October, right? Mm-hmm. So I loved how everybody just assumed that they <laughs> that they knew what it was, but luckily we had uh, the tipster kind of kind of fill us in there. I, he just looked like he didn't want to be there. Was he dragged to the game and he didn't didn't want to go? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a family section. They I guess they all sit together and I don't know what I, don't, I forget what numbers the section is, but uh, that's no. it's it's kind of behind home plate, um, mm-hmm. just off to the side of home plate. Yeah, it's I don't know, I don't know what the exact yeah. section is, but it's in the lower. It's actually in the lower level for some reason. Like the photos make it look like it's in the upper level, but it's really not. Yeah. It's in the it's in the one hundred level. It's and it's just near home. It's like just off to the side of. If we hit our site traffic goals this year, I'll buy the shirts. Those shirts. <laughs> uh, that'll be my gift to you. <laughs> Thank you, uh, and I know you got to go, man. But uh, I'm going to the game tonight. Am I going to see another no hitter? Uh, I don't think you're going to get another no-hitter, but I do think you'll get a, a decent outing by uh, by Mr. Nola tonight. By Corbin? By Patrick Corbin? Patrick Corbin, first of all, he stinks, and he especially stinks against the Phillies. I mean, he's having a better year this year than he's had the last few, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not saying much because his ERA is still, I think, 5.09 or something like that. Um, yeah, he's just no good. The Phillies are going to hit him. Yeah. So I think I think this is a game. I think Noel gives you a, you know a good start. I'm not going to say he's going to be like lights out or anything like that. I mean the Nationals, Nationals actually are one of the better hitting teams in baseball. Believe it or not, I think they're like the fifth highest batting average in the league. Right. So this is not like it's like a a bad lineup. It's a decent lineup. Uh, they just have very little pitching. Um, so I, but I think Noel gives you a good game. I think he gives you seven innings. I think he limits the runs three or less. And I think the Phillies win probably something like six, three, six, seven, three, something like that. 
And San Filippo guarantee. Last time that happened, it didn't go too well. You think he gets a standing ovation? He's been struggling. No. They, people in the city don't want to give Nola a standing ovation. Are you kidding me? I have to ask. Turn the, it's, turn it's, the it's whole, season around. It's a whole different – there's a different mindset for people like Aaron Nola and Reese Hoskins in this in this city. I don't, under, I don't understand why, but whatever. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. We appreciate you detailing the no-hitter and all that. Yeah, anytime. Love to. Love to come on. Talk to you later. Enjoy yeah. tonight. Thanks. You're gonna be down tonight. Nice brother. I'll be there. All right. Maybe I'll see you. Maybe I'll run into you. You're gonna be. You're gonna be. Uh. You know. Very uh, focused. Right behind the dugout. Looking I'm, in on the cameras again. I'm gonna be third baseline, but I'm not gonna be behind the dugout again. Uh, so you're not gonna be on camera every time there's a right-handed hitter up. Nope. <laughs> nope. He's gonna be in the. He's gonna be in the parking lot with Philly captain and some other dickheads. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll yeah, go down, down the third baseline. So uh, right. I'll get all the uh, I'll get all the home runs and all the foul balls that are just getting peppered. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? If you catch a, if you catch a foul ball and do some kind of like celebratory thing to get you on like the broadcast or 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 up on the big screen. By the way, I got one last Man. thing on the big. That would be that'd be uh, that would be sick. But the the uh, here's the one thing: the scoreboard. I got to throw this out there, and you'll mm-hmm. notice. See if you notice this tonight when you get down there tonight. They put this brand new, big, giant, amazing scoreboard in there. They never put the uh, any batter's batting average up there. You can't follow the pitch count up there or know what kind of pitch was just thrown mm-hmm. on the scoreboard. Like, what's the purpose of it? But you have 18 ads up there. They, you do have 18. They, they've they got to figure out the scoreboard. Like, they, they just, I think they, they screwed it up. Last time I was there, it wasn't working. <laughs> Um, but you're, you're exactly right. And I actually sat underneath it in left field and it was actually a nice experience because you can look to see what the pitch is, the pitch speed and everything in, in on down the first baseline. And then you got the one that's on the wall in right field. So it's, it's kind of nice. It's just, yeah, it's a really weird scoreboard. They went with the, uh, the advanced analytics in the beginning of the year. Uh, they took that off because people didn't care about, you know, XFIP and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've had a, they've had a they've had a tough time figuring out what to put I, on the. I just don't know how you show. how you put a batter's season stats up there and you don't put what he's hitting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they they do it. I think they do it on they the lineup card for the first for the first at bat. If I'm not wrong, there it, it's nowhere. No. Okay. It's hmm. no batting average is nowhere. On base percentage is there. Slugging percentage is there. No OPS. Well, that's a that's a soft stat according to Mikey Miss. Remember that. That's not they're a real forcing stat. they're forcing you to do math to get OPS. Oof. So um, I don't know. I just think that they I think they're really really missing the boat with that scoreboard. They have a yeah. great opportunity to use it and they screw it up. But anyway. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'll, I'll take a look at that tonight. I appreciate you coming on. You got it, guys. Anytime. See you down there. See ya. I'm not gonna be there tonight because I'm going to Diner en Blanc. Diner en Blanc. With Coggin. Where do you think it should be this year? Coggin. Abandoned Pullman Joe's on Oregon F. <laughs> Coggin thinks it should be next to the I 95 collapse site. Oh, that would be a nice spot. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe just under a 95 overpass down in South Philadelphia. It could be, they should go into a fountain. They could do it at the um, the shuttered Greyhound terminal. There right. you go. Just line oh, chairs. I mean, one of one of the seventy uh, retail spaces in the mall that aren't there anymore. They could do that. There's there's endless places. They should they should do it. Um, you know they should do it. They should do it um, in Chinatown. On, yeah, in Chinatown. Chinatown won't want it though. No, no. They should shut down Market East. 
and just give everybody a experience of what shutting down Market East on a Sixers game would be like. And there we go. Get a taste of it. They should do it on the stretch of Market Street where the bus uh, riders have to stand now in the wind and the rain and the hail exposed to the elements. And then Howard Eskin will tweet about it and say this is yeah. terrible. Yeah. Oh, they should do it on top of 76th place. That's where Diner on Blanc should, should take yeah. it. I mean, it might rain. It's pouring right now, so it might rain it out. I mean, I don't know. It's raining in, yeah, it's raining in UG right now, Upper Gwynedd. A lot of rain. Yeah, you know, I've summer. I've kind of uh, I've kind of gone, I've kind of done a one eighty on dinner and Blanc a little bit, just because now they don't make you bring the food. Now they have the catering and stuff. Hmm. Um, the people are hilarious. They're just they're just hilarious human beings who just want to like yeah. go eat in a park that. Literally, I just watched a security kick a bum out of washing his clothes in the fountain out of. It's just, I mean. You, Wait, you, you got kicked out last year. You're cool with Dinero on Blanc? Didn't Philly PR girl kick you out last yeah, year? Yeah, they kicked me out last year because I I was uh, I was not credentialed media, even though I thought I looked like a, a credentialed media individual. I had a top <laughs> you need a credential. On. You need a credential to cover Dinero on Blanc? Like what, you yeah. have to apply for, for it? They kicked me out. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a hilarious place. I think next year, uh, Craig and I, uh, we'll do Kelly and Blanc, and we'll find out a place to do it. And we'll and everyone ha- has to come. <laughs> no dinner and Kelly dinner. Dina, and, Kelly, Dina and Kelly Green. Dinner and Kelly, and we'll just find a place down at like uh, I don't know down in South Philly. We'll just tailgate down there. Dinner and Kelly Green. You got to get the guy from Fox Chase who had the Rolling Rock uh, mm-hmm. Eagles shoes. He he could be the MC. He gets an invite. Think, yeah. He gets an invite. But that's that's see, go back to that Delco flag. Like that's the funniest thing in the world. Like this is like it's it's not even people that like you think are like these elite billionaires. Okay, it's not like Michael Rubin's white no. party. It's okay. Like like David Edelman and, and Josh Harris and Harris and Blitzer, they're not down there. You know, Jeffrey Lurie's not taking his wife to dinner on Blanc to sit on a hot, you know, road. A blacktop. What does credentialed media do? For, like Craig Leban from the Inquirer sits down at the corner of a table and interviews people about what they, how their food is like. What Billy chit chat takes a million pictures. Oh, he uh, would take pictures. Yeah. Inquirer yeah. writes a uh, story about it. Gets a couple yeah. quotes, gets the fuck out of there. Like it's, yeah, yeah I don't know, man. It it's may just, have been more snooty in the past. It may have been more upper crust or whatever. Then maybe there's more of like a, you know, Delco guys like, Oh, let's go do this. You know? Um, yeah. It's just a different, it's, it's just different people. You know, they're still your elitist people who go all out and everything. And they're just like, you know, think they're they're absolutely better than everybody. Um, and then there's just people who just bring Wawa hoagies to it and they just have a night out under the stars. I, 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 I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I don't know. I just like I, I think Coggin, I think I think Coggin's point in his like his write up, like it doesn't be, it doesn't benefit anybody like. There's no charitable I, angle to it. I, There's no. There, there is. There is actually charitable. charitable angle. Yeah, that's just that's bad reporting on Coggins. Uh, he pulled it from the website directly from the website, though. I almost am a hundred percent sure there was a charitable aspect to it. Uh, okay. They couldn't, they I couldn't get away with the bullshit if there wasn't a charitable act, act, uh, oh, okay. charitable aspect to it. Because he pulled no he show. pulled like a paragraph off of the Dinero Blanc website that says it doesn't. It's just a. No, it's just a event that can't be true they'd get they'd get raped through the coals they should donate to the homeless people they kick out of the place 
Like that's what they should do. They should donate to like a shelter or something. The Marion Block should build a mixed income housing <laughs> at whatever location they go to and leave it there. I'm telling you, the homeless people one wild. night, one one week, one day yeah. are going to turn on these people. On Dineron Blanc, yeah. and it's not really secure. Now they're not erecting fences. They're not bringing fences with them. And no, up, yeah. I mean. Okay, so this is what it says on the website. Craig just pulled this up. Can I use the Dinero en Blanc concept to support a local humanitarian or social cause? It says, Le Dinero en Blanc has no political or ideological agendas and minimal branding. It is simply a friendly gathering whose sole purpose is to create a magical evening where guests are in good company and in an environment which is both unusual and extraordinary. No need for the comma there. Um, Le Dinero en Blanc may not be associated with or used as a means to raise funds for another organization. That's stupid. And what makes it extraordinary about going to a bum's house? <laughs> I, I said, you're not going to Michael Rubin's house, you know? You're literally, like, I watched, it's it's a hilarious visual to, like, 30 minutes before people start lining up, they just, these security guards, like, they're all allied, allied Barton people, and they just, like, kind of, like, walk around, you know, they, like, assess the area, give a little ocular pat-downs, there's yeah. always a guy with a cart who has like all his clothes stacked up 10 feet high and everything. Yeah. And you know, they don't want to do it, but they always do it when they're like told they're like, all right, now it's time. Now it's time to get the masses. It's yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, it's funny. Cause I just like, I, you know, I, I think it's, I don't know. I don't know what Dean, like what does Dinero on Blanc have to do to get people? It's like the one like universal thing that everybody in Philadelphia seems to hate. I'm shocked that douchebag 22-year-old Kyle didn't go. I am shocked that I never attended this. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's like there's stuff that's – there's stuff that, you know, like you went to Sips, right? You did the Sips video, right? Like some people like Sips, some people don't. Like I haven't found anybody who likes Dinero en Blanc. I don't know anybody who's ever gone to it. In the 10 years I lived in Philadelphia, we didn't go to it. The people who ride for it, ride for it hard. And the people who hate it. Yeah, maybe I'm missing out. Maybe you got to be a foodie. Maybe you got to be like, what's the other food guy at the in car? Michael Klein. Maybe you got to be like one of those kinds of people. I don't know. I don't. I don't get it, Pagan. I just don't yeah. understand. Hey, did you see the um, the Sixers renderings for the new or the new renderings for uh, the arena? Would you live in the new Sixers arena? That's what people are wondering. You wouldn't. I would I get it. I would. I uh, if I was still on the beat, yeah, I would <laughs> just walk downstairs and go to the game. You know. Uh, but to talk to me about this is mixed use development building because I saw that like twenty percent of the three hundred and ninety five uh, dwellings that I think are being built will be allocated to people who uh, are affordable housing. I believe. No, if they used affordable housing in the press release, I'd have to go back again and look again. I, I think the term they were using was like mixed income, which okay. made it mixed, made it funny because like like rich and very rich, <laughs> right? Like, what's the mixed income here? Like, are you on the poor side of the upper class? Like, are you like yeah. middle class, lower work, like yeah. middle working class and stuff? Like, yeah. are you like are you lower Marion, lower Marion Montco or Hatfield Montco? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you are you Haverford or are you Ridley? Um, yeah. Or do you say you live in Haverford, but you're like on the other side of the blue route or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I think, you know, they've had two like rounds of press releases in recent weeks where they've 
made some concessions. They won't call them concessions, but that's what they are, where they said, we'll waive the tax break that we inherit on the property and we'll set up a pilot program instead. And um, we'll put some mixed mixed income housing yeah. in here. And I mean, like for all intents and purposes, it seems like they're listening to the complaints that people have and trying to assuage those concerns. I mean, I think Edelman told me the last time I talked to him that the reason that like one of the reasons of giving the land to the city and then leasing it back to the Sixers was that so the city could have jurisdiction over some of the um, agreements and make them legally binding. You know, they could probably put it down in paper and sign a contract saying like, uh, you got to build this shit, right? Because I think a lot of times what happens is these developers come in and say, yeah, we're going to do this and this and this. And they build like the stadium and nothing else goes up. And they're like, well, extenuating circumstances. I mean, they seem like they're willing to put it in in writing to say like, hey, we're going to have to do this and we're going to have to do this. We'll give 50 million to the community and we'll build this residential complex here. So I don't know. I mean, it sounds like they're listening to people and adding to the project and trying to answer questions. But, you know, of course, the opposition is always going to be, like, well, we don't believe them. And, you know, yeah. and uh, you they've know. got their their reasons. I mean, they tried to buy an election, but like we. I don't I don't know any billionaire who like just gives money away like you don't become a billionaire because you just gave money away so like the whole thing with like with like the them agreeing to the property thing and 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 potentially losing out on the land which is like as we know is the richest thing in this city i just there has to be something on the back end just like with this new mixed use development there has to be something on the back end like these people they don't you don't become a billionaire just like handing money over i was so there has to be just like something else that i'm not getting and i gotta well, i mean i think more than one thing can be true though right it's like you do all this stuff do the 50 million remember 50 million for billionaires is like nothing you know exactly. so 50 million community benefits like the community does get something out of it but they get their arena and then the price the the value of the franchise goes up i like i think people because people always make it like this like uh this either or kind of thing you know it's like the billionaires are just going to get what they want well i mean of course but you know can you get something out of it too you know well, yeah, that's, yeah i mean they're gonna they're gonna give the community benefits yeah. they're gonna feature the the restaurants or, or other uh, businesses in the yeah. uh in the Sixers arena that is uh a part of Chinatown. I don't know. I just I just don't know. The the, the pendulum isn't swinging to billionaires not owning their own stadium or owning the land on the stadium. Like the pendulum has swung to guys, you know, doing what the Sixers are doing um you know, uh private financing and stuff because they want to own the land and and, and own their bricks and the mortar. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm i interested to see where it goes from here. I mean, because, you know, when Mohan and Kenny were on with us, you know, represent the Chinatown side, I think the one thing that they kept reiterating was that, like, we, you know, we don't have any information on this. And, um, you know, that, that was the one thing. The other thing they said they didn't like how the Sixers were operating. And, you know, we get them back on or get them on the phone or whatever, follow up at some point and be like, well, I mean, do you guys feel like you have more information? You see, you have more details on what they want to do. You have new renderings or whatever, like, how how much i just don't know if it benefits chinatown to keep saying like no 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 because like eventually it's like is there a statute of limitations on that do you give off the impression that you just you're going to say no to everything right i mean like can you go too far in one direction and then the public starts to say like okay well chinatown doesn't want you know, like they're never going to you know approve any project anywhere right so i guess i guess what i'm saying is like do you have to pick and choose your battles and um like you were suggesting to them and it's like you know maybe this is the best case scenario here you know or else you risk 
some other dickhead coming in. He, they defeat the Sixers. Then what happens? Like some other dickhead comes in and buys the property, doesn't ask him anything at all, and just builds three towers. You know, so I, I don't know. I'm intrigued. I, I think it's I, I just find the story fascinating because it's like, um, I don't know. It's just got it's got everything, man. It's got billionaires. It's got a community of color. It's got union labor. It's got sports. <laughs> it's like every. It's got transportation. It's like every Drama. single fucking thing you could think of is like wrapped into one I, i'm just fascinated by it. i find it just i find it very interesting i'd be shocked right now if the stadium doesn't get built i think they've come to the table they've they've I think so did, did the thing with the land they did the thing with the mix mixed use building and stuff i'd be shocked if this i think it's got an 80 percent chance of being built yeah i do because i just don't think i mean like again we got to think simple terms here like what rules everything in philadelphia mm-hmm. union labor and <laughs> the union the unions back it and the unions backed Sherelle Parker. So depending on how the legislation, when it gets introduced or if she's in office yet or not, I mean, I don't know about Kenny. Kenny's probably sitting at Ray street cafe right now. <laughs> $30,000 on citizens bank park concessions. <laughs> yeah. The hell is he? How is he eating down there? Does yeah. a motherfucker spend $30,000 on citizen park, citizens bank park concessions. That's insane. Out of expensive Miller Lights, man. World Series yeah. run or not, the yeah. the suites can't be more than twenty people. I didn't and, read the Inquirer story though. What Pagan's talking about is there was like an audit, like uh, his super PAC money. that he was for, with progressives oh. on. Okay, the super PAC backing Kenny or whatever. You know, by the way, there's always some super PAC involved in everything, right? So just because it was, this no, it was his. Right, right. But what I'm saying is like there's always money. There's always this money involved in politics. So when people were like talking about the Sixers uh, backing Jeff Brown or whatever, you'd think other corporations in town weren't putting money, dark money into, you know, it's hardly even a story, you know. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess part of it was that Kenny was like always chilling at Ray Street Cafe, which everybody has known. It's like the worst kept secret in the world. He was sitting in Ray Street Cafe when, when we I still lived in old old city with my wife before she we, we were married. Like we would go down to Ray Street and he'd be sitting there at the corner like on a computer and he'd have like a like a red, not a red solo cup, but like a cup that you couldn't tell what was in it, I guess. You know, and like the car, the mayor's car, whatever, like the driver would just be sitting outside Ray Street, you know. So Here's a lot of white um, wine with ice. He's a big white wine with ice drinker. Okay. So probably that's what it was. Yeah. That's the rumor yeah. on the street. Nobody would bother him though. Just be like, oh, there he is again. You know, so chilling. Yeah. What was there? Is, is there any, uh, what else did we want? I got one more thing I want to talk about with some, with, with everybody. Uh, the mullet competition, the, the world's leading mullet is out of Pottstown, Pennsylvania. If you didn't know this, his name is, is Rory Ehrlich. He goes by the name Cheddar Wiz. He's number one in the mullet champs USA. Um, competition right now he wins he gets five thousand dollars he doesn't even want to do anything with it except buy an alpaca for his sister i mean he's just selfless he's got a great mullet he met uh john crook john crook gave him his blessing he's the king of all mullets if you get a chance uh i'll have craig drop the link in the uh in the chat go vote for uh for rory cheddar whiz just because voting ends uh tomorrow and uh i don't know seems like a really cool kid his parents seem like pretty cool people. Um, go vote for, for for Cheddar Whiz. He wants to buy an alpaca because his sister wants one. Was that what yeah. it was? Okay, so Google says, it says, how much does one alpaca cost? Um, while the overall alpaca cost can range between $250 to $50,000 per animal, Damn. the cost of most alpacas will fall between $3,000 and $10,000. 
Okay. So he yeah, his family owns a farm, to. so it's not like the alpaca is just going to be shitting in the middle of the uh, kitchen. He's going to have to buy like a like a you know grocery store brand alpaca, you know, not like a <laughs> the Wish.com brand alpaca, not the Walmart alpaca. Yeah, the Acme Cheerios version of an uh, an alpaca, you know. Uh, yeah, the three sixty five from Whole Foods alpaca. <laughs> Audi alpaca wise by nature or whatever they're called down the street uh, or, uh the only other thing i wanted to mention is derek barnett I, I wish we had video of this derek barnett and landon dickerson um can, uh, can, they, can they just get the embargo off of beats being able to take video has that always been there yeah um there's you know there's certain parts of practice that you're allowed to shoot and there's some parts that you're not allowed to shoot. I mean I think he uh, I think you get like 15 minutes at the beginning or something like that and they're just warming up or whatever. There's no actual video of like you know what's going on besides the live stream that the team is doing. So you're basically looking to ESP for you know play by play. Why do I feel like all these teams always get their fight videos leaked? Like I feel like Eagles fans never get fight videos, but there's always fight videos of other teams. Now scrimmages obviously are taped, but yeah. like even between like players, there's always fight videos. Is this is this an Eagles rule? Not a lot of fights it? though at Eagles camp. I mean, it's a good culture down there, you know. But I mean, yeah, in this case, it's not competitive enough. Tim McManus said. Tim McManus called it a cheap shot. He said that uh, Landon Dickerson got Derek Barnett with kind of a blindside block, but then after the play. Uh, Barnett went and pushed him from behind and I have not seen the video I was not down there I know absolutely nothing about this but I can say that Derek Barnett was 100% at fault you know why Pagan because he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt because he's a dirty player and he's been a dickhead for five years you know we've got plenty of video evidence so maybe Landon Dickerson again maybe more than one thing can be true maybe Landon Dickerson hit him with a with a block that he shouldn't have but um, Barnett Derek Barnett losing is cool it's pretty I, obvious to put it together, you know. I oddly have a soft spot for Derek Barnett. He recovered the fumble in the Super Bowl. I, I, it's no, weird. no, 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 no. Now, here's why he did. Here's why he recovered. <laughs> oh, jeez. Now, here's a take. I have an ESP style take for you. The reason Derek Barnett was in position to recover the fumble is because he got no push at all, and he was standing in his original starting position. Seriously, Craig can bring it up. Probably, I can show you. He gets no push at all, and Brandon Graham does all the work, and then he just happens to be in the right place at the right. Maybe time. that was the call. Maybe they were afraid of uh, the elusiveness of Tom Brady. Oh, he didn't want he wanted to contain. Make sure you have contain yeah, on the like, dude. Earlier in the game. <laughs> so the Tom Brady who was cooking. Tom the- Brady in the slot. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's my Tom take. Brady. That's my Derek Barnett take. The only reason he fell in the fumble is because he was standing there and he didn't get any any That's almost as bad as Carson Wentz wouldn't win the Super Bowl. I don't get that Howie that that move with Howie. I guess they just didn't feel like they had many other options, you know, with edge rushers. Um, and I don't dislike, I don't really go after players. Like I kind of backed off that a little bit. Derek Barnett is probably my least favorite Eagle over the last, like, oh yeah, I remember this. This was from, uh, the, oh yeah, the Oakland Raiders game. Oh my God. Yeah. Before the, <laughs> God, you remember this game? This is one of the worst games I've ever watched in my they life. Actually, they actually uh, pushed on that. It was it was uh, it was a terrible game. They actually pushed. I think the the spread was nine. They didn't kick the they didn't kick the extra point. Remember, and people were pissed. Oh yeah, there was mul- and there was like multiple uh, f- um, missed field goals. I want to say mm-hmm. like a, just a turnover at the end. Yeah, because Nick Foles I think came out in that first game that year and he was cooking. And then they had this game. I, I remember watching it. Was like it was Christmas Day. 
Yeah. Yep. I was watching it with my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law wouldn't stop asking questions. And I'm like, I'm just trying to focus on this this game. Are we going to tell Craig that he pulled up the wrong strip sack? Because <laughs> he pulled up the, the Oakland Raiders Christmas <laughs> game. When, he thinks, of, when yeah. he thinks of it, it's great yeah. because this is the kind of producers we have here at Crossing Broadcast. Yeah. When they think of a Derek Barnett fumble recovery, their minds immediately go to the Christmas Day game against the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That's great. Oh, yeah. it's love that. Love that. It makes $250,000 yeah. an episode, Craig, or $250,000 a year. I would just ask this rhetorically before we we wrap it up. What what has Derek Barnett done to warrant still being here? People talk to people. People say like, oh, he's got a good one v one win rate. All right. Well, I mean, I have to go back and like look at all of his snaps. Every single snap he's had over the last five years. But like uh, bad penalties, you know, late hits out of bounds, general like dirty playing. That's not disputable. I mean, the guy's a dirty player. Yeah. yeah, I think people were shocked that he came back last year, and I think people are shocked he came back this year. So, I mean, I, he's he's doesn't win any favors with the uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles fans. He's got a lot to he's got a lot to prove, man. I get it. He lost out on most of the season, like ninety nine percent of the season last year with the injury. Look, I mean, I can't say that the Derek Barnett that we would have got last year would have been the same as the guy of the last couple of years. But again, like I said at the beginning, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt because you've got a recent history there of all this shit that he's done. You know, Jamal Williams hit in Green Bay a couple years ago was ridiculous. And then there was another play where there was an interception, I think, against the Browns or something. He just went down the field and he just like blindside, like just cleaned some guy's clock who wasn't even close to the play. Um, and they showed like the the NFL next gen with the dots, like moving around all the arrows and stuff like that. He was so far away from me. You just see him run like you just see his dot like running towards this guy and just like totally cheap shot of this guy. It wasn't even close, you know. So what there's some there's something to do. What does Derek Barnett have to no, do? No, no, no. Get this shit off the screen. No, no, no. Let's see it. Yep. No, he fell. He did get some push. He, he tripped. He, right, but he he got like he got nowhere close to Tom Brady though. Look, he, he literally was about to beat the guard, but the guard. You this know, is not a sod father moment. Sod father. This, this is him just getting pushed over. This is not a slip on the field. The sod father did do this field. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. It was a turf field. Sodfather still worked on it. <laughs> what did you put more rubber pellets? In? <laughs> he might have put some more tire in it. Okay, so you're not getting enough push was the wrong word, but he didn't. He just got like shoved over by the tackle. I'm saying it did happen to be. <laughs> what's uh? Grand what's what's EB got to do? Does he got to get double digit sacks for you to forgive him? Make an impact and just stay out of penalty. Uh, I was gonna say foul trouble. Don't commit any bonehead penalties. You know, he was good he last year. Just be so, well. He didn't commit any last year because he was injured, right? You know, so <laughs> God, it's like you you going to Colin Cowherd with the Dwayne Haskins thing there. Jesus, where was where was Colin Cowherd wrong? Dwayne Haskins can't win a Super Bowl. Did we did we understand the context of that? By the way, because I went back and I updated the story. Colin Cowherd did a thing the other day where there was a graphic that was pulled up on a show of quarterbacks that can't win the Super Bowl this year, and Dwayne Haskins was listed on there. Dwayne Haskins can't win the Super Bowl because he's dead, right? So everybody was like, what is this tasteless thing that they put up there? But I think he was confused. I think it was a list because if you looked at the top of the graphic again, there was a, a it said drafted since 2013 or something like that. So it must have been some compilation list of like takes that he's had on quarterbacks going back a certain while now because there's a bunch of people listed on that graphic who don't even play in the, the NFL anymore. Mm-hmm. Like EJ Manuel was on there and Blake Bortles was on there. So I think it's it was just a list of like 
here's people who I think could have won a Super Bowl at some point when when they were drafted or whatever. The pre-production meeting must have been completely fucked up because Cower looked like he didn't know what graphic he was looking at. And the the graphic that was on the screen seemed to illustrate something entirely different than what he was talking about. So it was still stupid to have Haskins on that graphic at all because the guy had passed, right? But I think Coward and the production guys were like on a completely wrong page there. If you go back and watch the clip back again, you'll see, okay, something just doesn't seem right here. Yeah. I'll have to go back to see if Ryan Mount was on it. I don't think he can win a Super Bowl oh, either. God, yeah, well, no, he was drafted way before that, I think. But I uh, know, oh, no, he wasn't. But yeah, I mean, like EJ Maynard was on it. Blake Bortles was on it. Here's a th- yeah. But like that doesn't make any sense though. It says Collins QBs that. Can you maximize that, Craig, to see if I can see the whole thing there? Collins QBs that can win Super Bowls drafted since 2013. So this must and- have been some list of like over the years he he thought at some point since these guys were drafted, whether it was 13, 14, 15, that these guys are good enough to win a Super Bowl. Oh, but right. why did, he, why he did he go like that can't? Because he win. didn't understand what the graphic was was saying. He he thought it was supposed to say guys that can't win the Super Bowl. So he was not on the same page with his production team and with the graphics people here. And so my guess, my best guess is that at some point since Dwayne Haskins was drafted, he thought he was a Super Bowl quality quarter quarterback at some point. Jesus, Colin has some terrible takes on QBs then. Well, Haskins was the first, wasn't he a first round pick? I mean, he was pretty big coming out of Ohio State. Yeah, but he was it was a Dan Snyder pick and it was a house, it was another Ohio State QB that never really, you know. But you put the context clues in here. I mean, Paxton Lynch and Johnny Manziel and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, these are all first round. I mean, I think these are all first round guys. I, I think that's what, what he was saying. I think that's what he was saying. I, I don't think that they. I think he was just confused as to what the thing was supposed to say. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Philly fan notes that Wentz did win a super. Yes, technically he did win a super. No, well, he didn't win one. He was, you know, he was carrying he didn't luggage. one, but he won one. Yeah. So. Carrying carrying the water yeah. out to the sideline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On crutches, but. Just an odd, just an odd graphic. Odd yeah, graphic weird. all around. Weird, weird. And the funny thing too, just a little bit of background TV. He thought Daniel Jones could win a win a Super Bowl. What did anybody who was, a, who was a top, anyone who's a first round pick, it looks like he thought could win a Super Bowl since 2013. When you have a graphic, there can't be, there can't be that many quarterbacks. I mean, that was only 10 years ago, yeah. and there's like 20 quarterbacks on this list. I mean, I know quarterbacks go high in the draft and stuff, but there can't be more than like 20 more that are off this list. They um when you have something like this, like the producer will like order a graphic and say, Hey, here's what I wanted to say, and here's all the names. So the art department makes it, they send it back to you, and the producer looks at it again, right? And you check and see if there's any mistakes, whatever. And then you put it into the show, and then the executive producer is supposed to look at it as well. Um, and then they approve it, they sign off on approval. I mean, this is how we did it. I don't know how they did it. But then, like normally before like before the show, you'll have a director who's sitting in the production room who will go through the entire show and they'll bring up all the graphics that they have available to them and they'll, they'll triple check it as well. So I don't even know how something like that got through uh, or how the Dwayne Haskins thing got through on that specific graphic. It seemed like they were all confused. He, he was just on a completely different page than. Well, one more thing before we go. Um, I just put it in the chat, Craig, if you can pull that up. Did you see this, this Phil Mickelson stuff about him gambling? No, I don't think I did. So according to his new memoir, 
with uh, Billy Walters. This is this is Billy Walters' memoir. He's the guy who got busted in that insider trading stuff, but he was a huge gambler back in the day. Okay. So he had kind of like a partnership with Phil. Phil allegedly wagered one billion dollars on sports. He lost nearly a hundred million, which I think is a tax write off. Averaged nine bets per day, which is actually kind of small since 2011, which I, I thought it would be like more. Made 43 MLB bets in one day and tried to bet on a Ryder Cup he was playing in, allegedly. I just, we're not really huge gamblers. Right? Correct, me if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you're really more than like a 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 bet here or there. On things. I, I, I gamble just because it's like it's part of our revenue model and I try to keep up with everything. But yeah, I don't spend a lot of money on it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't I'm not I haven't gambled all summer because I don't bet on baseball. But um, this is insane to me. I just I do not have that gene of just like having to have some skin in the game. I, I, I feel like Phil wakes up in the morning. And it's just like, what am I going to bet on today? Like, this is the first thing he, he he thinks about. We check Twitter. We check Instagram. We go on social media. We say hi to our significant others. Phil's like, all right, I got to get on the book and see what uh, what what Cincinnati Reds Tampa Bay Rays game I got to bet today. I used to be I used to be that way with <clears throat> with fantasy sports back in the day before betting became legal. You know, and I'd find some obscurity. I used to ride the Tampa Bay Lightning, not Metallica's ride the Lightning, but the Tampa Bay Lightning. I used to ride them to like three or four like wins in a row you know i mean some people just you know you do it daily you know I, i'm a I'm the type of gambler I, like what i win the most off of like knowing when a team i follow is gonna lose that's how i make the most money because like the philadelphia i bet a thousand dollars on the philadelphia union to lose to a mexican team in mexico like three years ago i'm like there's no way they're gonna win this game in mexico so i put a thousand dollars down on it and won like 1400 yeah Ooh. that's the most that's the most i've ever bet on anything but it's again it's like gut it's like gut yeah. feel more than like all the research and stuff where, where it's like, you know, you, you spend an hour figuring out this guy normally does this and this guy normally does this. And he goes and sprains his ankle in, in the first period anyway. Dude, I, I mean, reading stories like this, I am the most boring human being in the world. I am vanilla. I am milk toast. Like I am so boring. Yeah. Well, we got to get up on our betting and our fantasy and stuff like that for revenue model purposes, Pagan. That's true. If I'm not living, if I'm not living on the streets, in the next year, yeah. I did something wrong. We got to bet more. We got to mm -hmm. gamble more. Yeah, I'll see what the internet connection is. I think they're building all these things around the city now that you can plug your laptop and your iPhone into. So I'll be, I'll be blogging from fifteenth and Market. I'll tell you what games the union are definitely going to lose, and then we'll all be up ten units <laughs> by the end of the year. All right. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> union versus Lionel Messi. It could happen. Yeah, that's crazy. Is that going to be the is that going to be the most anticipated game in like union history? Like, is that going to like what what is what is the ticket price is going to be like? What's the resale market going to be like? You think the resale market was up like four hundred percent a couple weeks ago when Miami played Philly and Messi wasn't even here yet. Do you remember that? Because people yeah. thought Messi was on the team and he wasn't yet. So yeah, if they if if so, here's the situation: if the Union win tomorrow night and Miami wins tomorrow night, both games are at home. They meet each other in the semifinals of the League's Cup, and the game would be in Chester with the Champions League berth on the line. You imagine that? You imagine me telling you all that three years ago? Wow. So, um, yeah, and people will say like, "Well, why don't they just move it to the to Lincoln Financial Field?" But if you do that, you're just opening it up to a bunch of messy fans. Uh, you know, I mean, the Union are great at home. They've got a home field advantage at home. They're not going to fuck with Subaru Park. Yeah, that's where the game should be played. And because it doesn't guarantee that, like, if you if you you know add forty thousand tickets to it or whatever, how many of those are going to be Philadelphia supporters anyway? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's like when they do the World Cup, 
uh, meetings between USA and Mexico, and they have it in like Houston, or and like half of the fans are Mexican. Half the fans are Mexican because they know they can't yeah. sell it out. Yeah, exactly. But that would be amazing if Lionel Messi came because they don't have him on the calendar for the rest of the year when the regular season resumes. They've played Miami already, so this is the only way that Messi would play in Philadelphia this year. You think Kevin Durant shows up? Probably. What's he doing for the union anyway? Jack shit. Has he recruited anybody to come play in Philly? Get on the phone. If you're listening to this, Kevin Durant, get off your phone. Put your phone down. Get off of Twitter and call Antoine Griezmann Mm. and get him here. No, get Mbappe. I want Mbappe. Get Mbappe. What's Neymar doing? Yeah. Kevin Durant. Oh, that'd be fun. I'll go. uh, I'll go down. I'll actually go to a game. Um, I'll go to my second game of all time. Well, I won't go. I won't go inside. I won't. I won't be able to expense that onto uh, crossing broad. But I will go, and we will. We will talk to a bunch of Messi fans, and we'll talk to Union fans, and we'll we'll up the Inter Miamis. <laughs> Did I get that right? I bunch you bump into a bunch of celebrities down there. You know, see all the celebs that have been showing up in Miami. LeBron, mm-hmm. Rick Ross, Kim Kardashian was there. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, celebrities you go to dinner on Blanc tonight. Yeah, normally the only celebrities who show up at <clears throat> Philadelphia games are like other Philadelphia athletes, you know. Mm-hmm. Zach Ertz sitting there at the Sixers game or whatever. Well, Made in America's canceled, so there's not gonna be any celebrities here this this uh this summer. That's done. <laughs> did they say why did they say why it was? It's was because it Lizzo has thirteen different sexual harassment oh. lawsuits against her and she was headlining. That's why. Why can't Jay Z just step in real quick? That's dude, that's what I'm saying, because you know why? The insurance money can probably cover the cost. He can write it all the losses off on his taxes. He's fine. I I I, uh, I will gladly eat crow on this. I think Maine America's done here. I don't think it's done um forever. I think it's done yeah. here though. I think it's done in Philadelphia. So mm. great job. You know, yeah, just another yeah. just another big event Philadelphia can't handle. The NIMBYs don't want it. The Fairmount NIMBYs don't want it. That's the worst take of all time. Like, like the NFL draft, they didn't want. They don't want Made in America. How about the seventy charity event runs and Broad Street runs and Rocky runs and 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 marathons that are all run through there and shut the city Every down with traffic day that goes through that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What, what do you want? Yeah, what yeah. like you bought a million dollar house? Yeah, in a city, go out to the main line if you want peace and quiet. It's a good take. Yeah. I hate, I hate, I love Fairmount. I hate those people though. The NIMBYs. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Good show. Good show. Good hey, show. Thank you to Anthony for coming on. Thank you to Anthony. Thank I'm you. Not gonna thank Craig. I'm not going to thank Craig. I'm not going to thank Craig. Craig did a good job. Nope. No, he didn't. Makes $250,000 a year. Um, Thank you to you, Kev. <laughs> thank you to the listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Go brush up on your Derek Barnett highlights, Craig. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. All right.